Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the gridiron universe of the silver and black. You're tuned into Just Pod, baby. Your go-to destination for all things Raiders. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. This podcast is proudly brought to you by SportsNot.com, the unfiltered sports juggernaut. Whether you're a diehard Raiders fan or just looking to stay in the know about this iconic franchise, you're in the right place. We are the Raiders. We represent the Raider Nation. Now, here's your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, hello and welcome back to Just Pod, baby. I am Evan Grote. I am your host who will be guiding you through this latest episode of the show brought to you by SportsNot.com. Happy Veterans Day weekend to those of you who have served. We can't thank you enough for your service each and every day. We should really be celebrating our veterans a lot more than we do here in this country. Uh, That's just my opinion. But Friday is your day. Make sure that you take the time to go out there and let someone know who has served that you are thankful for them. So that is my big thank you to all of you out there who have served and, and to happen to be listening to the show right now. Before we get into it this week, please do me a favor and follow the podcast. However, that is done on the platform that you may be listening to. Uh, Get that done for me, please. Also, if you could leave me a positive review and a rating, that would be much appreciated. It is the season for giving. So please, uh, I would be very grateful for that. And and also follow me over on the X at egroat5. I put a poll out there this week on X. The The poll question was, do you think the Raiders will make the playoffs? And I also just put a general question out there. Uh, And that question was, what does Antonio Pierce need to do to have the interim tag removed from his title and get the head coaching job full time? I heard from many of you out there and I will share some of the responses that you guys gave me and we'll discuss some of the results of that poll question as well in the show this week. Antonio Pierce is the main topic of the show this week. I want to spend some time in the opening segment to talk about what the future may look like for him what it may take for him to remain as the head coach, uh, get you some of my thoughts on how he has already turned around uh, and changed the, the mindset and culture of the football team in less than two weeks. It's been quite impressive, I must say. And then following the break, um, we will start to break down Sunday night's game with the Jets. Um, and, and, you know, based on some of the responses to the poll question that I put out there on X, many of you feel that the Raiders can still make the playoffs. Well, guess what? In order to have a shot to make the playoffs, they have to win this game this week in order to do so. I'm not going to go as far as to call it a must win, but if you believe that the Raiders are a contender going forward, if Antonio Pierce wants to be taken seriously as a potential candidate to be the next head coach full-time, then they have to beat the Jets this week So we will discuss the matchup. We're going to be joined by our guest this week, Dan Leberfeld, who covers the Jets for Jets Confidential. Um, I'm going to ask him about what's going on with the Jets. Of course, there's more drama at the quarterback position. Zach Wilson not playing well right now. A lot of the fan base is calling for a change. We'll get his opinion uh, on everything to do with the Jets. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Let's get it kicked off now, though. With the discussion on Antonio Pierce, he has the team believing again uh, after uh, the win 
that we saw last week uh, on Sunday. He has the fan base believing again. You see what he has been able to accomplish in, in a very short time with the Raiders since he's been in charge. And it does make you wonder what he could do with an entire offseason, uh, being in charge of a draft, being in charge of free agency, or along with a general manager. It really does make you wonder what he could do. The Raiders looked good last week. There's, there's no doubt about it. They looked much better than they have looked this entire season. Now, it was against the Giants, and it did help that they were facing Tommy DeVito, the third-string quarterback, for three-quarters of the game. But to be fair with the Raiders, they were probably going to win that game regardless. Even if Daniel Jones did not get hurt, I think the Raiders were going to win that game. They carried the positive energy from the week, the momentum from the coaching change into the game, which was nice to see. And, and they finally won a game in a convincing fashion, something that, again, we just not have seen much in in the previous 25 games. Now, I talked about it on the show last week. We all knew this team would come out and play with with great enthusiasm and effort. All you needed to do was listen to just a couple of minutes of Coach Pierce talk, and you know that he is a master at motivating his players. But I also questioned whether or not that would be enough to truly get his team to play better, right? I mean, I think that's a fair question to ask. We know that it takes much more than just being a rah-rah guy to be successful as a coach. And I heard a comment that Coach Pierce made this week in his press conference. I believe it was on Wednesday. And I want to play it for you because I'm not, I think it's very telling of how he is approaching the upcoming games following last week's game, coming off the emotional roller coaster that the team faced throughout the week. Let's take a quick listen to that now. Well, you know, we knew last week was going to be emotion, and I, we, we checked that this morning. You know, we, we can't win the National Football League each and every week on emotions. We'll get burnt out. Now it comes back to what football is all about, the execution, fundamentals, technique, doing your job, you know, maintaining, like I, I, I answered earlier, that winning stamina. You know, that purpose, and just, again, as simple as it is, just do your job. You know, we don't need the extra stuff. That will come with us playing well. Uh, Our guys are motivated. Uh, It's a new week for us. Last week's behind us, and we're looking forward. So you can see from those comments that he gets it. You, You can't say that about the previous head coach. Pierce knows it was an emotional week. He knows that he rallied the troops, and he got them to rise to the occasion in in a short uh turnaround but he also knows that 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 type of play is is hard to sustain just playing off of pure emotion yeah you might be able to see a team ride that high for multiple weeks but there is going to come a time where it comes down to just executing better making good decisions having guys step up and make plays when they need them to And that's what it's going to take to beat better teams like the Chiefs, who they still haven't played yet. They're going to play them twice, like the Dolphins. I still categorize the Chargers as a pretty good team. Those are game those that's how you're going to win against those teams, in addition to playing with great effort and great enthusiasm and believing in each other and having a locker room that's united, not only together as a team, but behind their head coach. You got to put it all together against those good teams. So I thought that was very insightful. It tells me that 
You know, he is going to motivate his guys. You know that's what he's going to do. Those guys are going to play hard, but that the intensity and and the focus on the little things, the attention to details will also be ramped up uh, with this football team. So I thought that was impressive comment by him, and I, and I really liked it, to be honest. Now, speaking of beating good teams like the Chiefs and the Dolphins, I asked you guys this week on X, what is it going to take for Antonio Pierce to stay on as the head coach beyond this season? And I got a lot of responses. It was, you guys were really engaged in that in that question. I want to share just a couple of them. I can't, unfortunately, I can't share them all. We'd be here all day. Let's start with Mike D'Amico. Mike says, the problem is it will take at least 10 wins. Uh, and, he, and he's talking about getting to the playoffs. There is a chance that a 10-17 and 17 does not make the playoffs in the AFC. The Raiders have to go 6-2 and two in the next eight games, meaning they have to pull off a huge upset against either Miami or Kansas City and still go 5-0 and in other games versus the Jets, Vikings, Chargers, Colts, and Broncos. That's a lot to ask for. They've made a lot of progress, though. So, yeah, generally, I, I think I agree with what Mike has to say here. Um, you know, I, I do think Pierce is going to have to do something really, really impressive to, to get the job. In my opinion, um, we'll get into that a little bit more, a little later on. Another comment that I got here was from Andrew Dasa. He says he needs to beat the chiefs once and the chargers. If the Raiders do that, they might sneak into the playoffs. If that happens and the vibes coming out of the locker room, stay as strong as they are now then I think Davis has no choice but to let him keep the, the reins next year. And, and and so it sounds like for Andrew, the benchmark would be getting to the playoffs. That would seal the deal, in Andrew's opinion. Certainly getting a win versus the Chiefs and the Chargers helps that. But as Mike said, they're probably still going to need to do some other things, win some other games. They're going to need a little bit more help than just beating the Chargers and the Chiefs. But of course, that certainly shows progress. You want to be competitive in those division games. So I do agree with you there. Uh, the third one that I want to share with you, and this will be the last one that I share, is pro- is from uh, Pedro Xavier. Pedro says, as interim head coach, Antonio must have his team show improvement in all phases of the game. Stack some wins and pull a couple of upsets along the way. Get the whole organization to believe the team is headed into the right direction. And I agree with Pedro as well. I think you guys all make really valid points. That is where Ziegler and McDaniels failed. They were never able, and I know that 25 games is not a huge sample size. I mean, a season and a half really is what they had. That's generally not a huge time. Uh, you know, you just, most times you see coaches get a longer go at it, but they were never able to show that the vision they had was headed in the right direction. Things were not getting better. They were only getting worse. And that's why you saw their, their, um, tenure cut so short because things were actually going backwards. And so I, obviously I agree with, with that decision to move on from them after only 25 games. Uh, I I appreciate all of you who commented on the question. And overall, many of you feel that a playoff berth should guarantee that Pierce gets the job. Many of you spoke about the positive culture in the locker room being important and just seeing or wanting to see consistent, steady improvement every game uh, as enough for you 
to justify Pierce getting the job. And I think it's interesting because we know how this shook out just two years ago. I talked about, I think that the starting point would be to get this, this team to the playoffs, right? To, to have him keep this job. We saw how it played out. Mark Davis has been down this road before with Rich Basaccia when he stepped in and guided the team to the playoffs. He didn't get the job. So it's worth speculating what would it take for Pierce to then get the job? I mean, does he have to go out there and win a playoff game? What would it take? And and whether or not it's as simple as just wins and losses. Will Mark put more weight into the culture side of things, the relationship building side of things? Ideally, you you want to find a coach that can do both, that that knows how to lead men, knows how to motivate players, players want to play for him, but also has the knowledge of the X's and O's, the the um, game management part of the game as well. So you're looking for all of those things, um, but it's not hard to find, right? I mean, if it was that easy to, or excuse me, it's not, it's not that easy to find. If it was that easy, then everybody would have a great head coach and we would never see these coaches getting fired. Uh, so it's much easier said than done. But that is the job that that Mark Davis now has in front of him. And and real quick, before I I go to break, I want to go over the poll question with you guys. So I'm just going to pull it up here on my phone. Um, The results, this was a 24-hour poll. Uh, The poll question was, can the Raiders still make the playoffs at 4-5 and with eight games remaining? And I must admit, I am a little surprised with the results of the poll, um, we had 711 total votes and 63% of you said, yes, you believe the Raiders can still make the playoffs. That would leave 37% of you saying no. Now, if this shows one thing, it shows you that the enthusiasm from the fan base is is really high right now. If I had asked this question uh, uh, two weeks ago, Obviously, the the results would be probably flip flopped. It'd probably be 60, uh, 60 40 or 70 30 in the other direction, saying, no, the Raiders would not make the playoffs. There was just no optimism, uh, no positivity surrounding this team. Antonio Pierce has this fan base rejuvenated and, and has the players buying in as well. Will it be enough to get to the playoff for the Raiders? That'll be what we have to wait and see. But it all starts this week against the Jets at home against, uh, excuse me, at home at Allegiant Stadium. And we're going to be breaking down this matchup when I return from the break. More to do here on Just Pod, baby. Don't go anywhere. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in again this week. Welcome back to segment number two, Just Pod, baby, brought to you by SportsHunt.com. Please be sure you are following the show wherever you get your podcast. Big game for the Raiders. Another primetime game, both the Raiders and the Jets kind of at a crossroads right now, needing a win badly to keep their seasons alive, those playoff hopes alive. I do expect this to be an interesting game. The Giants win was a good one for the Raiders, but come on, the the Giants are a terrible team. Uh, The Jets present a a step up in competition. I'm looking forward to seeing how Aiden O'Connell performs against the Jets defense, who has some good players on the back end especially. Before we get to our guest, Dan Lieberfeld uh, of Jets Confidential, I want to go over a couple of things here with this matchup. Uh, Two things in particular, run defenses. I think the run defense in this game, whichever team can do a better job of stopping the opposing team's run, uh, is going to be a big factor in this game. Uh, 
The the Jets have the 30th ranked run defense in the league. They're allowing 137 yards a game on the ground. Josh Jacobs looked better last week. He had a season high in attempts. He had a season high in yards and touchdowns in that game. I would imagine he will be a huge part of the game plan this week once again to take pressure off of their young quarterback. Jacobs is still waiting for that huge breakout game. Um, if they don't have an effective run game on Sunday, it could make for a long night for the offense. Um, and the same goes for the Jets. I talked about their 30th ranked run defense. Well, the Raiders are actually worse. The Raiders rank 31st in run defense. So that is going to be an area, talking about taking pressure off a quarterback, they don't want to rely on, on Zach Wilson to have to do too much in this game. So we could see a, a healthy dose of, of Brees Hall and Delvin Cook and whoever else they want to try to throw at the Raiders. And then the other statistic and um, point that I want to make about this game, which I think is going to be a key to the game, is the Jets' third down offense. They are historically bad on third down right now. They are dead last in the NFL. They are completing, uh, converting, excuse me, only 22% of the time on third down. I went back and looked. I went back as far as 2003, okay? And there has never been a team that has finished below 24% on third down. That was the San Francisco 49ers back in 2005. So this is one of the worst third down offenses that the NFL has seen in almost 20 years. So that's, that's significantly... Uh, bad. They are nine percentage points lower than the the 31st team this year. And so if the Raiders want to have success in this game, they got to they gotta continue to uh, keep that trend alive of, of the, the Jets not uh, performing well on, on third down. Defensively, the Raiders, their third down defense is, is not a strength for them. They allow teams to convert 43% of the time, and that puts the Raiders at 26. So rushing defenses, that is going to be a key in this game. And will the Raiders defense continue to make things difficult for the Jets on third down? You do not want to uh, allow the Jets to, to keep extending drives. It, it's been a problem for them all season. So those are a couple of keys to this game. All right, what I want to do now is shift gears, and I want to start to learn a little bit more about this week's opponent, the New York Jets. And to do that, we're going to go out to, to the guest line, and we're going to bring in Dan Leberfeld from Jets Confidential. He's going to help fill us in a little bit more about what's going on with the Jets. And Dan, I appreciate the time. And, and before we get into some of the specifics of the matchup, I want to ask you about the stuff we keep hearing about Aaron Rodgers you know, he's only a couple of months removed from the surgery on his Achilles. We all see him, you know, walking into the stadium, throwing passes on the field before games. It's really incredible to see how much progress he, he has made in such a short time. The question that everybody wants to know is if the Jets can remain relevant and, and in the playoff hunt, is it realistic to think that Rodgers could return, or is this just something that you know the mainstream media has kind of latched onto and is, is just running away with right now? Well, I mean, he's contributed to uh, the mainstream media latching onto it, you know, with his appearances on the Pat McAfee show. I will say this: uh, watching him, and I like to stand outside the locker room 
uh, after the game before the media is allowed in and, and watch certain guys leaving. And the, the game against Philly um, and the game before that against Kansas City, I walked, saw him walk out of the locker room and he was limping. The, the last game I saw him, the L.A. Chargers game the other day, saw him walk out, he wasn't limping. I would have to say, and I'm not a doctor, but I would say just reading the tea leaves and doing research, I think if they do make the playoffs, wild card round is in the middle of January, so we're about two months away. I think the wild card round, if the Jets make it, is a realistic possibility, but not, I don't think late in the season is. Interesting, interesting. Now, of course, a key factor in all of this is whether or not the Jets are still in the hunt, right? And, and in order to do that, then they need to start winning some games, and that all starts for both the Raiders and the Jets on Sunday, both badly uh, needing a win. You know, As you walk around the Jets facility this week and you talk to the players and the coaches, do you feel a sense of urgency from the Jets? Are they viewing this game as a, as a pivotal point in their season? Yeah, no doubt at 4-4, four and four, which is a pretty good accomplishment for them considering they lost Aaron Rodgers' four offensive plays into the season. 4-4 four and four with the tough schedule they had at the beginning of the year. Their schedule was top-heavy, so the fact that they're in this position now, uh, they really should try to take advantage of it. However, they're, they're in this mode now where they're, they're, they're sticking with Zach Wilson, a developmental quarterback, and why don't you go with Trevor Simeon, a guy who had a, uh, I think a 15 or 14 record as a starter for the Denver Broncos a few years ago. I'm not saying he's great, but he can manage the game. He's a cerebral Northwestern graduate. You know, he, he could probably manage the game a little better than Zach Wilson has over the last month where he's thrown just one touchdown pass over the last month, the last four games. And that was a one yard pass to the running back Brees Hall that he took 50 yards in for a touchdown. So it wasn't even like a, a big-time wide receiver touchdown throw. It was a dump pass to a running back that he took in. So that's the debate. Like, are they really serious about trying to make a wild card run, or is developing Zach Wilson more important? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, part of the discussion, and I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, the media is certainly – making a big deal of this. The, the fan base, I believe, is, is calling for a change at quarterback. It, you know, again, Trevor Simeon, you talked about it. He's not exactly, you know, the, the best backup quarterback in the NFL. But it, it, at some point, it might be worth looking into. I mean, the Raiders made a change at quarterback and, you know, also at head coach. But it, it really paid off for them and their offense last week. Why has uh, Robert Sala been so reluctant to experiment with a possible change at quarterback? You know, that benching of a quarterback, or benching any player is tough for any head coach. I was thinking about one of the best coaches of our lifetime, Nick Saban, when he did a halftime of that national championship game when he benched Jalen Hurts in favor of Tua. Obviously, over the long haul, it worked out well in terms of their careers for both of them. They're both starting in the NFL right now and doing well, but it takes a lot of guts to do that. And a lot of coaches are hesitant to do it. Obviously, Antonio Pierce did it, and it worked out well for the Raiders, but you'd be surprised how how hesitant some coaches are to do it, even though it seems obvious to other people 
you know, maybe the human element has so something to do with it. It's hard to look a guy in the eye and tell him your bench, but you know, this is the big leagues. You got to be able to do that. You can't worry about feelings. Yeah. And, and also what that, that kind of shows me is that Robert Sala pre- feels pretty comfortable with his job security, right? I mean, if, if, if he felt there that his job was in any way in jeopardy, based on the outcome this season. And I, of course we all know that Aaron Rodgers injury was a major factor in what's happening with the jets right now. But uh, do, do you think that regardless of what happens, he is safe. His job is safe with this team going forward. Well, you know, with, uh, I'll never forget when the jets made the trade for Brett Favre many years ago and Eric Mangini was the coach and he, Asked the owner, "Am I going to be safe here?" Because it was in the it was in August already. They had the offense in full. Brett Favre had never played in that offense before, and Eric Mangini, the way he tells the story, is he wasn't sure he'd be safe no matter what happened. But obviously, he was. He was fired after that season. So you never know with owners. I'm sure the uh, Raiders' former coach Josh McDaniels thought he was safe with a six-year contract, and he was fired a year and a half into that contract. One thing to consider about these teams especially a team like the Raiders, an organization that's printing money in Las Vegas with all the sponsorships and the opportunities here, that there's so much money coming in from TV that these owners don't mind eating, you know, three or four or five years on a contract with a coach because the, the, the TV money is billions of dollars. It's insane. So uh, I, I don't think Robert Salas in any kind of trouble you look at the owner's twitter feed woody johnson and he's just raving over play this player and that player and their defense even though they're coming off a 23 27 to 3 loss the owner's raving about how well the defense is playing so he's not that kind of owner usually i don't know what happened with mangini so i don't think the coach is in any kind of danger one way or the other especially with rogers getting hurt four plays into the season our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Dan Leberfeld of Jets Confidential, giving us a few minutes of his time as he's cruising around Vegas. A uh, little bit jealous of him, I must say. Uh, talk to us about the struggles on third down for the Jets offense, converting only 22% of the time right now. That's nine percentage points lower than the 31st ranked team in that category. I imagine that has made things very challenging for the offense. What can you tell us about that? Well, they were 3-17 of against the Chargers, and as a, a guy that follows that division very closely, which you do with the Raiders in that division, do you think the Chargers have that kind of defense where you should go 3-17 of on third down? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, the problem is a lot of young quarterbacks struggle on third down. It's one of the most challenging downs for young quarterbacks, and, and Zach Wilson is struggling on third down you know he's a guy that if the first read is open you know i find it hilarious that some people calling for nathaniel hackett's job i'm not saying he's the best oc but i actually think he's done a decent job considering he's got to be almost perfect with his play calling he's got to scheme his quarterback to success with dialing up great first reads so uh, the last couple games it hasn't been as good but before that against denver and, and philadelphia i thought he was really good dialing up first reads so that's one of the problems. When the OC needs to be perfect all the time, you know, has to be the uh, eyes and ears of the quarterback on the field, there are going to be games where it just doesn't work out. And I think that's one of the problems on third down. Zach Wilson wants his first read 
to be open come hell or high water. And that's not the case all the time. And that creates a lot of problems on third down because the OC needs to be perfect almost on every third down call. You know, I want to ask you about Brees Hall as well. Uh, really talented young man. Uh, I believe he's a, a year removed now from uh, from the ACL injury. And I look at some of his his game logs here. He's only logged 20 carry 20 plus carries one time this season. Are they and I know they they brought in Delvin Cook as well, but are they slowly still continuing to to ramp up his workload or uh you know based on him returning from the injury or is this more kind of game plan specific and that's just been the plan all along? No, I think the ramp up period is over. There was a period like that going on over the first month of the season. I don't think it's going on now. I think the problem is teams, the Brees Hall's had some good plays this year, but on a lot of other plays, teams are absolutely stacking the box with eight or nine guys because they're not fearful of Zach Wilson. So that's certainly hurting the Jets' running game. So I think Brees Hall is is 100% now, and he's had some really special plays. That 50-yard catch and run that I brought up before was a spectacular play by Brees Hall. He, he caught the ball over the short middle and made both starting inside linebackers of the Giants miss with open field moves. So he's a very special, unique talent. Yeah, certainly is. And, and I saw that 50-yard play you were talking about. That was a wonderful play by him there. You know, I, I look at this matchup uh, between the Jets and the Raiders, and, and I... Yeah, I think both teams are, are actually very similar in a lot of ways. You mentioned defenses stacking the box against Zach Wilson, kind of forcing them to to beat them with their run game. The Raiders, at least with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, we're seeing a lot of that as well. And and that's part of why their run game has struggled. Also, both teams are among the lowest scoring offenses in the league. Both defenses struggle to stop the run. So there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. But as you look at the matchup, is there a particular area of this game that you think is the key for the Jets to win? Well, I think the key is, uh, I, I think there's a couple of keys. One is clearly, you know, Aiden O'Connell did a nice job last week, but we remember that Los Angeles game, he wasn't as good. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, of the team. And what they have this year, which they didn't have in Robert Saul's first two years, which is a key to his defense, and you see that San Francisco, where he came from, is basically the backup D-line is, is almost as good as the starting D-line. They ask their D-linemen to run sideline to sideline, so they platoon them a lot because they run a lot more than two gapping linemen. So with that being the case, the previous two years, Robert's first two years as the head coach, there was such a drop-off to the backup D-line that they were getting gassed with big plays when the backup D-line came in. This year, it's not the case as much. They're so loaded up front. So I think that could be a real, real challenge for Aiden O'Connell dealing with that Jets' ferocious pass rush. Even in the win over the Chargers, I'm sure you saw that game, they made life miserable for Justin Herbert. He was getting hit on almost every play. So I think that's a huge key to this game, along with, Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett having a brilliant game plan as far as and dialing up first reads. I hate to keep picking on Zach Wilson about the first reads, but he needs those to be open because he can make all the throws. So if, if the play calls great and the first and second reads open, he can gash a defense. But if it isn't, he's kind of lost back there. He holds the ball too long, 
And that leads to a lot of turnovers. It's not just the O-line not holding up. It's the quarterback holding the ball too long and that leading to fumbles and things like that. Yeah, great point. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I got one more for you before I, I let you go. I've already kept you too long. Um, you mentioned the the deep and, and dominant defensive line that the Jets have. You know, we all know about Quinn and Williams, but who? give me, like, a, the name of one or two of the other guys along that line that might not be household names that you think, you know, the listeners of this show might want to get to know. Yeah, I don't know what the Raiders' cap situation is uh, after this year. I know uh, there's a lot of dead money because of some bad contracts, but this keep an eye on this player for any team that's looking for an edge rusher. Bryce Huff is having a tremendous year. Now, everyone talks about you know some of the other bigger names on the defensive line and, and some of the first-round picks off the edge. Bryce Huff might be their best edge rusher this year. He's an undrafted free agent out of Memphis a couple years ago, and he has tremendous bend to get under tackle, so you know, keep an eye on number 47. He's playing very well. And a, and a free agent signing that's worked out really well is Quentin Jefferson coming over from the Seattle Seahawks. He might have had a cup of coffee with the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. But uh, he and Quentin Williams are, are really playing off each other nicely. So those are two guys that are playing very well that you might not be hearing as much about. Quentin Jefferson, a defensive tackle, and Bryce Huff off the edge. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be sure to keep an eye on those two guys. Jermaine Johnson's another guy that I, I remember him coming out of Florida State, who I think is having a pretty good season as well. Dan Lab, uh, Leberfeld, we appreciate the time. I know, as I mentioned, uh, we were talking a little bit before we started to record. You're out there in Vegas, so I want you to go out there and, and, and enjoy yourself and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday night as well. Thanks for coming on with us. Well, I'll tell you one thing about the Vegas Strip for the Raider fans that come out here, and they might know it already. They've got this Grand Prix coming up this auto race so uh a lot more traffic on this trip than usual because they're setting up all the grandstands and stuff so i think that race is next week if i'm not mistaken i believe you're right yeah i, I did i did see something about that uh online and i and i do think it is it is coming up next week i did see some pictures of the grandstands and whatnot it's pretty pretty crazy to think of all that's going out there in vegas it's really just grown into such a uh sporting you know destination and, and there's a lot going on out there yeah, no doubt about it. And, well, enjoy the game. I'm really looking forward to this one because I really don't know what to expect, and I love that kind of intrigue. This is definitely a game that could go either way. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you for the time, Dan, and uh, and, and good luck, and uh, keep up your great work. Thanks, Evan. A pleasure to be on with you. All right. Dan Leberfeld. i tell you what. What a nice guy. I mean, him and I chatted prior to the interview. Uh, we kind of had some connections uh he hosts a radio show on Sirius XM radio as well with Vic Carucci who's a a beat writer for the Buffalo Bills we got small talk in a little bit finds out we have uh some other connections he uh spent a lot of time in the Utica area which is not far from where I went to college in Cortland New York and of course that's where the Jets held their training camp for a number of years he spent a lot of time covering the Jets while they were there. So just, again, it's kind of a small world we live in, but was really a nice guy, really nice person. So we appreciate Dan so much. And as he told you, the keys to the game for the Jets, one of them being the defensive line rotation for the Jets and and being able to generate pressure on the young quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. They have a plethora of guys they can run out there at you. That will be a challenge for the Raiders offensive line, who protected well last week. They're going to have to do it again this week. 
Okay, guys, that does it for the show this week. As I said at the top of the show, to any veterans that are out there listening, I thank you for your service. Uh, For our guest, Dan Leberfeld, I am Evan Grote. Take care, everyone. I'll be back with you again next week. And as always, just win, baby.